my life is now rubble. I can cry over the rubble or I could start to pick up pieces and make a new mosaic. What I realized to build that mosaic, I had to confront a bunch of different things, which now I've created into the acronym of grief. Welcome to The Work In Between, the podcast that explores the topics and daily habits and actions that get us to our health-related goals. Whether you're trying to lose weight, improve your mental or emotional health, or working on your spiritual journey, you're in the right place. In 2021, I was diagnosed with diabetes and was morbidly obese. I was already a three-time cancer survivor, so I knew I had to do something to turn my life around. So I did. I lost over 100 pounds and began transforming my life inside and out. I'm living a much more purposeful and intentional life, and I want you to do that too. Thanks for stopping by. I'm glad you're here. I'm your host, Gretchen Holmes, and this is The Work in Between. When I was creating my podcast, I knew I wanted to focus on more than just physical health or weight loss. I wanted to explore all aspects of health, mental, emotional, spiritual, and physical, because it's all connected. Today's subject, grief, is very much a part of all of our lives. When I started this podcast, I was still having a lot of trouble working through my grief having lost my brother, Eric, which meant now my mom, my dad, and both of my brothers were now gone. However, since then, I've realized that I have choices and the power to decide how I wanted to move forward. I found out I could rewrite my story. All of us have experienced grief in some capacity, whether it's the loss of a loved one or a dear friend, or losing a job or a friendship. We've been there, or you may be there right now. Wherever you are in your process, it's yours. Despite all of the pressure to move on or get past it, grief is something that is a very personal journey, and it takes the time it takes to adjust, to learn how to move forward, to find our way in order to find out what is on the other side of our grief. We all know the pain, the loss, and the sorrow, but what else might be there? What if we can use it as a catalyst for change, for reevaluating and reimagining our lives to create a more intention-filled life? That's what we're talking about on today's show. My guest is Robert Party a life coach and author. Rob is one of those rare individuals who embraces change and lives by a philosophy he calls possibility in action. After experiencing the devastating loss of his young wife to metastatic breast cancer, Robert reimagined his life and left the world of finance to share the many lessons he learned throughout his life's journey. Those lessons included intentionally crafting the next chapter of his life by dismantling limiting beliefs, interrupting habitual thinking, understanding the story he wanted to look back on, and realizing that taking chances is where all our power lies. And you can read more about Robert and his work at www.robertparty.com. Welcome to the show, Robert. Gretchen, I am absolutely so thrilled to be here. You already captured me with your work that I already know, but the whole call out about you had a choice from the very beginning is that's it right there. Having the awareness that we do, 
sometimes it seems really hard to make that choice, but it's there. So I am thrilled to be part of your show. Thank you. I started this whole physical transformation, and I don't think you can really truly transform unless you are focusing on all aspects, the inside, the outside, whatever pieces we have to look at. And one of the things that struck me as a three-time cancer survivor, having lost my entire nuclear family, getting through diabetes, losing all the weight, was, all right, I got to do something with this. I can't have survived all of this and then just carry on like I always have. There had to be a reason that all of those things happened and I am still here. And it started to catapult me into a lot of what you talk about, which is living a much more intentional life and rewriting the life that you want. So I started to figure out how to recapture that power. And part of that is because of you. That's why partly I'm so excited to talk about it. Let's get started. You lost your wife at a young age to cancer, which you document in, a, in, I must say, a beautifully written book, Chasing Life. I highly recommend this book. I read it in two days. Oh, I have goosebumps just because that means a lot to me. Cancer changes everyone's life, including our loved ones. I'm curious, how did it change yours? Wow, that is a question we could spend hours and hours talking about, but... When I look at the journey with Desiree, what I say is really it's a story of one person evolving, which was my wife. And it was my awakening. What I mean by awakening is I lived a life, and I'm going to go way back here. So I grew up with an abusive alcoholic dad. For me, at that time, action came from anger and propelled me forward. I pursued investment banking because as the child... In my mind, the only thing that would ever save me was to have a lot of money. Meeting Desiree, one, just because she was such a spectacular young woman when I met her, but she evolved into this just incredible person. Being with her, I learned about the power of love, of course, but I also realized what purpose really meant. This is my own personal definition. It's not to say that when people talk about purpose, they have to use this definition. But for me, it changed me to realize that purpose was when my passions came in alignment with my values, but I wanted to give the results away. I wasn't looking for a gold star. I wasn't looking for a pat on the back. And giving that away, that was actually supporting my wife to achieve all her dreams, knowing that she was slowly approaching the end of her life. And as you know, through the book, Desiree chose at the beginning not to know anything about her disease because she was studying to become a doctor. And she was afraid that she knew enough of information to scare herself, basically. So I carried all of that. And people would ask me, they're like, well, wasn't that like painful and heavy? And I was like, no, it was purposeful. I understood the purpose. And that doesn't mean you go out there and be a martyr. That is not purpose. Purpose is this feeling of what you're doing is amplifying you and you're projecting that out. I talk a lot about energy units when I work with my clients and stuff like that. And so when I mean amplify, let's say you have 100 units a day that you get to use. If you're spending those units in things that don't, let's say, repay you, amplify you, they just disappear. But if you put one unit in and you get 1.5 back, you're amplified. That's flow. 
it completely changed my perspective of everything. It also allowed me to understand really what being in a partnership for a relationship meant. That was something I didn't see, of course, with my parents. It was something that Desiree and I, we realized that we built a third entity, which was the relationship. It required both of us to continue to invest in that relationship. So that's what supported both of us through all the ups and downs. Because what we learned and the perspective shift was we're all going to face some sort of adversity in our life. It's just part of the journey we're on. And you've survived cancer three times. You were diagnosed with diabetes Adversity can be one of two things. Adversity could be the dominant color on the canvas of our life, or as Desiree and I decided, it was going to be an accent color to highlight joy and to highlight creativity and growth and, and everything else that you could think of, love. It's that perspective shift that then carried me to where I am today. I love how you and Desiree did something that I think a lot of us have trouble doing in the midst of being diagnosed or navigating a terminal disease, even though at first you may not know that's what it is, but the fact that you guys were able to be so present instead of spending the entire time wringing your hands going, what if, oh my gosh, we're this is the worst thing ever. And it, it's a horrible thing. Don't get me wrong. But then you miss out on all the moments that you still have. That's one thing I took from your book was that you guys were so intentional yes. about living your lives and capturing joy and capturing love and experiencing still, even with this going on, just the wonderment of what it means to be alive. And you guys captured that with such childlike spirit and eyes. It just made my heart feel good. When we get bad news, when we find out, and I was stage four at one point with thyroid cancer, you have choices. Either you can sit in your room and just turn off the lights, or you can still engage, still create memories. That is so pervasive throughout your story. And I just well, love that. You used the exact word, and it's where I learned to live, and I refuse to let anything take me out of it, is in wonderment. Regardless of what's going on, and this is very hard to hear when someone's in the midst of something, this is all wondrous around us. We have to sort of, if you think of a car and the windshield wipers, right? We have to clean the windshield and start to see that again. The idea of being present and it being a choice, one of the things that I realized very early on, because I was sort of the bearer of information was, and it is a stoic philosophy, so it's not something I created. It was what was under my control. I couldn't control that final outcome. And th the scary thing is, and this is a phrase that when I say it, it's shocking to people, but I like to say it because it's shocking. We all have a terminal disease because there's a final terminal that yep. this train stops at. And Sometimes we just, it's only until we get the paper from the doctor that, that we wake up. But what I realized is there were so many things out of my control. I would have loved to cure the cancer. I had dreams of being Superman and I would keep hitting my stomach on the asphalt because I couldn't fly. I had all these crazy dreams. But what I realized is, you know what? That idea of hope 
It's hope that today is the best day you can make it, not of some future outcome. And that's what changed everything for Desiree and I. Once we started to live in that daily, what could we do today? You know, the little fun napkins we would use at dinner that we called the happy napkins and, and all kinds of other things, just because why not? And we lose that as well as, as just as adults, right? We forget about play and we forget about that, that childlike curiosity and enthusiasm. And we did decide, okay, you know what? Whatever this journey is going to be, we decide how we live it. Absolutely. I like how you captured and just stayed in those moments. And so many times we are so busy living life. We are so much on autopilot that we just have the next thing that we have to do, the next thing, the next thing. And we forget to breathe. We forget to enjoy that cup of cappuccino. We forget to, <laughs> you know, I watch your shorts on LinkedIn. I see them on YouTube. I see them but it's so true. I mean, I think we do tend to stop and watch things like rainbows because they're so magnificent and sunrises and sunsets. But there are a million moments in between those sunrises and those sunsets. And how many of us at the end of the day even remember what we did, where we were, what we say, yeah. what we do? I don't know. I just spent 10 hours at work. What it? I don't know. And so that's one of those things that even that small step, which is really a big step, but it's a small thing, I think can completely change the trajectory of our lives. That is what I, I go around talking about, right? Is the intentionality, is the being present, is not missing all those moments. There's something like, oh, it depends on how a moment is measured, but a moment is basically when your brain experiences it to make a recording. It's something like we experience 60,000 moments a day, but a lot of the moments we're not paying attention to. A lot of the talk in our head is the same thing we've been talking about day after day after day. I can't stand my job or I don't know how to pay the bills or this or that or the traffic. You know, like you said about the sunset, this is something I remember I was at a friend's house and we were sitting in the living room and I saw sort of like the color through the reflection on the other window in his living. And I went outside and the sunset was just incredible. And I said, hey, guys, come out and look at this. It's beautiful. But they wanted to stay and watch some program that they've seen a hundred times. And I was just thinking to myself, a lot of the times we're so drained at the end of the day that just to sit there and do nothing as well is our default. We have to work. That's why you said it's a small step, but it's a big step. All of this is really where a big cruise ship, <laughs> for lack of a better word, and we can't just make a big, big turn, right? We have to slowly turn the boat. And that requires every day doing something a little differently and getting into that habit of seeing the, the beauty and the wonder. And yes, sometimes, you know what? It's, it's not like I walk around and I'm you know all smiles all the time. There, there are things that get to me as well, right? There are things that get to all of us. It's not to make that the default and to catch yourself in that and say, wait a minute, this is not where I want to spend my time and energy. Like I'm being negative for absolutely no reason. Like when somebody wants to go on a picnic and it rains, right? Yeah. And then the whole day is ruined. Right. Well, it's not ruined right. if we decide that, okay, we'll make something else out of it. No, I agree. I am curious because grief is such a, a personal journey. Given how you guys approach the illness and, and just living in the moment, how did grief manifest for you after Desiree died? 
That's a beautiful question. No one's ever asked it quite like that. I love it. And grief is very personal. But what I first want to tie grief to is the idea of loss. Uh, and you said so eloquently earlier, you know, the, the loss of a loved one, a family member, a friend. I'd even take it to, if you think about men, erectile dysfunction. If you think of someone that's been in an accident has lost a leg. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. Loss is the impact on identity. I'm going to start from there. But with Desiree, you know, she became the founding director of palliative care at New York Hospital. So I knew a lot about end of life. I learned a lot about medicine, but I remember her telling me at one point in time, there's a difference between extending life and extending death. When her time came, she made the conscious choice by asking me or saying to me, she said, Robert, I'm tired. And I said, okay, baby, rest. And she was telling me to transition care to comfort from life sustain. In a way, because I was part of so much of it, I didn't have the grief reaction of anger and those types of things, but I was lost. I didn't know what my identity was. I didn't know what my purpose was. I didn't know what my mission was, why I was in the world. And I realized that if I'm an acronym person, so if you take loss, what I realize is it's the lack of self identity. And the other S is security. The world feels unsafe because there's just been this big tectonic shift. And so for me, grief manifested and this comes from also the way I grew up, right? Because of my childhood being a boot camp that taught me so much about uncertainty and resilience and grit and all the other things, and the whole action philosophy I've had for my whole life, which was once built on anger, then was love. I looked at it and I said, okay, so my life is now rubble. I can cry over the rubble or I could start to pick up pieces and make a new mosaic. I love and that. I oh, thanks. I do. I, I like that. That's beautiful. And it's visually what I saw. Like Desiree is a big, beautiful piece of that mosaic. It's, it's not that I've forgotten about her. I haven't moved on at all. I've moved forward with. I've, I'm living life forward. But she's so much of a part of me and will always be. What I realized to build that mosaic, I had to confront a bunch of different things, which now I've created into the acronym of grief. So I had to confront guilt, whether it was survivor's guilt. Whether it was, oh, you know what, maybe I should have just been more forceful for her to not eat sugar, for example. Whatever the case was, because I was the one sitting there, like, you know, spending my time on the internet saying, well, maybe there's a cure somewhere, right? Like I should have went to see some shaman. There was the, the rumination aspect. So the R for grief is, is rumination, the constant, I can't believe this happened. I, the, the constant, you know, spinning around, I had to let that go. I had to accept and embrace impermanence. And wow, I have to tell you, when I really sat in that space of this too shall pass means every single thing. We use it for those bad things in life, but it's just part of nature. The next thing was I had to dismantle my expectations. That's the E, because I expected my life to be a certain way and I couldn't carry that anymore. I couldn't try to force things into a space. And I've seen this sometimes with clients as well. They're trying after a loss to find things that can fit back in to support an expectation, which has no validity in this stage of their life, because who they were when they made that expectation is not the same person they are after the loss. And then the last one was I had to confront the fear. I have to say that I tend to be motivated by fear. I look at the situation and I say, okay, am I more excited to do this or am I more afraid to do this? And that's how I gauge. And I asked myself, 
instead of wondering about, you know, what could go wrong? What if I failed or what ifs? I started playing in the, what I use is the word daydreaming because daydreaming is non-threatening. We do it as kids. That's how we start to put things together. So I just started thinking about who was it I lost? I lost Desiree. I also lost myself. What do I miss about the guy that was with Desiree? What I realized was I wound up becoming her life coach. And I was like, oh, so I'm going to change careers. Okay, what else would Robert want in this next stage of his life if he could do anything? I'd like to live in Italy. Okay, but I don't know anyone. I don't have a job. I don't speak the language. I don't have a place to live. That's okay. I'll figure it out. And this is where all the work comes from. Because for anyone listening to this, to really make changes, and you did this, you did this with the weight loss. You started imagining who that person would be. You started having faith in yourself to say, you know, I can do this. And the thing is, we think we need to be so perfect with everything we lay out. But our entire life has always been course correcting. We just forget it. We're where we are and we think, oh, I just got here in a straight line. And oh, no way did we any of us get here in a straight line. All of this is like a type of alchemy because what happens is when you start to be rewarded by taking the chance, then actually the outcome, you're empowered and you are aware of many more possibilities. I evaluated, just so anyone listening here, first of all, an 11-year journey with breast cancer is not cheap. There was no money left. My wife did not have life insurance because we were too young to think about that when she was diagnosed. I moved to Italy and I was teaching English for $8 an hour. I didn't sit there regretting or resenting that because I was making an investment in my new life. That's where the empowerment comes from. I wasn't thinking I'm a Columbia MBA. I should be making hundreds of thousands of dollars. I was thinking about, wow, I'm taking this chance to build a completely new life and I'm going to learn Italian. I'm going to do this and I'm going to do that. And I have to make the investments, not sacrifices. The grief journey for me led me through this process of basically Again, that idea of of a mosaic is what do I want my life to look like? I didn't choose to be here. You know, if if somebody said, if I gave you a magic wand and, and Desiree showed up tomorrow and we, of, I love her. Of course, that's what I wanted. That's out of my control. That's that whole stoic thing. But there's all this rubble here. And so I started to put all the pieces together, which led me to the books and led me to being a life coach. And It feels so fulfilling and so purposeful because I used life instead of being used by life. And I know every time I'm doing the work I'm doing is because I chose that path. You've taken back all the power. I think many of us let life happen to us and we are just constantly putting out fires. We're just going with wherever things take us because it's easier. It just is easier, right? And we can then not have to take responsibility for kind of where we are because that's just where life took us is where it took me. I, you know, I didn't have any say it. And, you know, that's, as we all know, that's not true. We have, we always have those choices. And I love how when we reframe how we are living our lives, we now feel empowered. We feel like we are an active participant in our own life versus a passive participant. You just hit it, the nail right on the head, is the active participant. And a lot of people, they'll worry about things. Worry is actually very passive because it's, there's no action behind it, right? You're just worrying, you're worrying. We do have a tendency to play more of, of the passive role. 
for whatever reason, and th there are, you know, we're, we're having this deep conversation of two people that have transitioned through a lot of things. So some people listening to this might be like, but I don't understand, or I don't get it, or this is not applicable to me. Part of this whole, let's say, journey, and I'm unpacking all of this, is the fact that it does come down to the choices. And sometimes the choices we need to make to change our lives may actually alienate us from some of the people that are around us because they're used to us being a certain way. I lost friends because I did not conform to the story they needed me to be, to whether it was, you know, I was supposed to be broken and they were going to take care of me, or, you know, I would just go back into finance and I decided to do something else. So there are all these different levels, but the end of the game here is the fact that it is yours to craft. And again, that doesn't mean everything is, is rainbows and unicorns. Of course not. But being out there and being the sculptor, being the craftsperson, just building what you want is so, so empowering. For you to have lost that weight, you've taken on the identity of being a thin person, being a healthy person. That was something you had to construct. You know, it would be nice if we had a light switch and we could just flip it and say it's all. And there are people that do that. There are people that one day to the next, they stop smoking, stop drinking, whatever the case is. Yeah. But it is all habitual. Everything we live, everybody listening right now, where you are right now has been practiced. Rob, I don't even know if thank you is the right word for the opportunity to sit and talk with you today. I really sincerely hope that we get to continue this conversation. I don't know, for maybe ever. I am going to hold you to that. A quick reminder that this podcast will be available on my website, GretchenHolmesPhD.com, as well as Apple Podcasts, Podbean, Spotify, and iHeartRadio. On my website, you'll find valuable resources and information along with previous podcasts. A quick reminder that this podcast will be available on my website, GretchenHolmesPhD.com, as well as Apple Podcasts, Podbean, Spotify, and iHeartRadio. On my website, you'll find valuable resources and information along with previous podcasts. Feel free to drop me a line if you'd like. I'd love to hear from you. And if you'd like to be a guest on the show, tell your story. You can do that there too. Finally, from me to you, remember to love and celebrate yourself now, today. Don't wait until you feel worthy. You already are. Loving yourself is the only way to good health. Until next time. Join us next time for part two of my conversation with Rob Party. The information on this podcast is not intended nor implied to be a substitute for professional medical advice. Mm -hmm.